I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Al Pellet, this is Brian, and I am here with Becky and Mike, and we are here by the Al Pellet, and we are excited to be with you once again for a conversation around mentoring and cooperating teachers, and we are lucky to have two experts in the room with us, Deb Berry and Heather Nesbitt. Thank you for joining us today here on Al Pellets. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So to get us going off here, Deb, why don't you get us started, kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So Deb Berry, Assistant Professor, Department of Ag Education and Communication at the University of Florida. (laughs) And I have a true passion for everything ag ed. I spent about 13 years in the high school classroom and then came to UF about eight years ago and just feel lucky to get to do what I do, working with pre-service teachers, in-service teachers, and um, spending time focusing on how to make the student teaching experience better by enhancing our support and our preparation for co-op teachers and that whole that whole triad. So love what I do. And I'm uh, Heather Nesbitt, and I am a PhD student at the University of Florida, and I've had the awesome opportunity of working with Deb as we've been focusing on the uh, mentoring research and helping cooperating teachers grow. Um, I was in the classroom for four years and loved every bit of it, and I'm excited for this journey to continue to help um, the next generation of ag teachers. Best practices for mentoring is part of the title of this uh, this paper that we're talking about today. So tell us a little bit about um, the, the paper and some general um, things that you learned as a result of it. Absolutely. So we have found that cooperating teachers or mentor teachers really and truly want to help their student teachers learn how to be in the classroom, learn how to be um, an FFA advisor, and really grow and make their own way in their profession. Um, And through our research, we've really been focusing on how can we better prepare and support cooperating teachers for that role to continue to um, help uh, student teachers. And so we've kind of focused uh, the best practices for mentoring into uh, three overarching categories, and that's uh, social support, professional support, and role modeling. And with social support, we're focusing on the cooperating teachers, helping their student teachers navigate and solve problems that they uh, encounter in their internship. So this is both professionally and personally, how are they navigating that work-life balance is an important one we talk about. Communication is another one. Um, Professional support is helping student teachers navigate the diverse world of education. How do you navigate this role as being a teacher, an FFA advisor, and everything else, all the other hats that you put on? And then role modeling is the demonstration of that day-to-day life um, that teachers have to take on. So that's the lesson plans, the classroom management, effective communications with the community and other stakeholders. And What we've really been focusing on is helping cooperating teachers slow down and talk to their, uh, helping cooperating teachers, I'm sorry, slow down and talk to their student teachers on on how they got there, why they do what they do, how did they come up with their practices, 
and the management uh, techniques that they are choosing to utilize with their programs. I, I really like that uh, comment. I'm going to ask you to unpack that a little bit <clears throat> because um, one of the things that uh, we've talked about in in some other uh, podcasts that we've been talking a little bit about mentoring is, is the fact that, um, you know, our cooperating teachers want to do great work, and you and you said that. But um, how does that happen, and and who is this experience really about? Is it really about the cooperating teacher and sharing everything that they know about teaching and all of those kind of things, or is it really about the pre-service teacher? And then and then part of that too is that we, as cooperating teachers, a lot of times do good things. But sometimes we forget about the why or, or how did we develop that. And so what what'd you learn and what are some of the maybe the stories that you can share or examples about how teachers could build um, uh, build up that experience when it comes to unpacking why they do what they do? You want me to start off on that one, Heather? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll definitely say that you know, the main goal is obviously we want these student teachers to choose a path teaching agriculture. Um, that's the end goal. So when we think about um, that experience that they have, we know it's like hugely impactful on their decision to teach and even like their self-efficacy and their decision to stay in teaching. So we're really trying to focus on how we can make that entire experience a better experience, both for the cooperating teacher and the student teacher. And I think a lot of times, and I can speak from my own personal experience, you go in there, you have great intentions, you love what you do, and sometimes you're just not sure, are you saying things the right way? Are you providing the right kind of feedback? Are they getting what they need from you? And there's a lot of question marks. And I think I, I had five different student teachers when I was teaching, and I always wondered, like, am I doing it right? Am I doing enough? So I think trying to, like, build that community for those mentors and give them some of their own self-efficacy and hopefully support them so they feel like when they're in that role and they're serving as a mentor, um, that they feel like they have the tools that they need and the support that they need. Um, and we've had some really cool conversations and I wanna pass it back to Heather because um, she's done some really cool interviews last summer and this summer that have been um, really awesome. Absolutely. So if I started talking about the community of cooperating teachers, I think that's been huge and has come up in multiple uh, interviews that I've been having with the cooperating teachers. They are really loving the opportunity to take time together, just cooperating teachers once, once a month and talk about, you know, what can they celebrate? What are they doing well? But then also this problem solving of I've had this problem with my student teacher. Is anyone else having this problem, you know, I might not be saying this properly to them or not be, might not be showing them properly. Who, How else have anyone else done that? And I think that's been huge with helping them grow as mentors. Um, and then focusing back on the student teacher and their experience, I think something that's been really um, great is how most of our cooperating teachers are helping them grow on their own journey. I think um, the few hit or miss here and there that might not have the best experience are the ones with their mentors are saying, this is the way to do it. And this is the only way to do it rather than I really like how you did it. What else can be done? That's if we're talking about classroom management, you know, I noticed this, you know, what, what suggestions would you have to fix it before jumping in and telling their student teachers how they would have fixed it? Well, just even 
that idea of when you're bringing people together with that, you know, the, the celebration, the what's best, those best practices. I think one of the things that kind of struck me as you were talking through that is also you have a group of people together to kind of say like, what's normal for the development of this person? Because I think for first time cooperating teachers, you may kind of remember your student teaching experience, but it, it's not the same to draw on your own student teaching experience and then turn that around on on mentoring somebody else. But to have that cohort of people who's together to say, it's totally normal for where they're at <laughs> and that's okay. There, there's yeah. gotta be a lot of power in that because there are really normal things that people struggle with in student teaching or really excel at in student teaching that just, it's kind of the nature of the beast. Well, I think that's important too, to point out one of these practices, getting those co-op teachers together to yeah. build that community. Because I, I don't know about you all. I mean, Love that idea. I, I get it. It was a thousand years ago when I served as a co-op teacher, but for the ones that I had when I was teaching high school, I never talked to other co-op teachers no. in a formal, in a formal conversation. Now I would pick up the phone and luckily I knew I'm like, I'm like, I think I broke this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and, and not only that, you, you know, a lot of teachers take this on as a ba as a badge of honor and there's some ego involved and it is about my program. It is about people see me as being a quality teacher, quality program. And because of that, I have to indoctrinate these individuals. Right. Yeah. And, I, and so I think that idea of, of building those things together so that, that just like we like we typically, and we being universities in college, you know, in our college programs, bring student teachers together to share experiences. One of the best practices you're talking about and that you all have developed is bringing together these co-op teachers that to, to build that network and to share collectively as well through, through the experience and that intentionality, which I think is really, really important. And hopefully those that are listening to the podcast, whether they're, if you're at a university that lead a program like this can start doing that, or if you are a co-op teacher, doing it formally or informally to, to have that network so that you can learn from each other. Because as we've said many times before, just because you're a good ag teacher does not mean you're going to be a good co-op teacher and you have to kind of learn those skills again. And you guys are doing a great job showing that. I'll comment too, real quick. Um, I think there has been a lot of conversations with these cooperating teachers about you know, yes, I feel like they see me doing this. I am showing them that I do this, but I think we get so busy as ag teachers and we're, we're juggling so much that sometimes we forget. And even um, post-secondary educators, like you just juggle so much. Sometimes you don't slow down enough to think about why you're doing it and thinking, thinking about where that person is and where you're at. And there's obviously like some growth that they are going to have as a professional. So slowing down enough to say, okay, so you see how earlier I did this, this is why. Um, and that why thing I think has been the coolest thing that's come up in the last year or so in some of those conversations about, you know, am I actually showing students, you know, role modeling, doing all these pieces and, and things that we talk about when we think about those structures of social support and professional support, but then taking that time to explain like why we make those decisions as ag teachers, because it's so easy to just do it and get it done and check the box because we got something else we got to do, you know? I, I think something else that's been really important is we have uh, encouraged the student teachers to also ask why. Um, so not only are we teaching the cooperating teachers how to deliver this feedback, but also how are the student teachers receiving 
the feedback and how are they asking questions of how did you get here? What can I soak in in this experience? Well, I, th I think with that, luckily for those of us here that are hosting, I've had the experience to kind of live some of what you've got going on here. And I know of, I can think of two conversations right now with different co-op teachers who said because of the training they got as a co-op teacher and having these conversations with their student teachers, it made them more reflective in their teaching. And they're like, I, I've always been so busy. I've never stopped to say, why do I set up my lesson this way? Why, do, I mean, simple things, why do I have my classroom set up this way? Why do I go from the classroom out to the greenhouse this particular way? And doing this has made them so much more reflective and helped me actually become a better teacher because I had to think through it and explain that to the student teacher. And so I, I think this is a, a true professional development experience for the co-op teacher as well to help us all become better at being reflective and, and about what we're doing. And again, that idea of slowing down and thinking about what we're doing. Uh, and sometimes we just need that scaffolding to help us do that. And, and this is a, one thing that we can do as teacher at prep programs is give that scaffolding to our co-op teachers so they can be this reflective in, in practice is what they're doing. So as we, as we, as we unpack and, and think about what this really means for practicing teachers, for uh, supporting our pre-service teachers and also for um, our teacher prep programs. What what recommendations do you have? What questions do you still have out there that um, you have interest in? So I think first, if we're talking about recommendations, um, we have been working on a great series to kind of unpack what all of these best practices look like in the classroom. And so um, it's on the UF IFAS page, and if you just search cooperating teachers, it's there and can be found. Um, but some of the other questions that we have is, um, where where do y'all see that we need to dive deeper into this topic um, when we're looking at further research and help? Wait, 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 wait a minute. I thought we were the ones supposed to be asking the questions, and they had the answers. <laughs> And she just asked us a question. Is that allowed? Totally allowed. What button do you have for that? <laughs> you, can, you can answer first, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I think, I think cooperating teachers is one of those things that everybody sees as being part of the teacher preparation program experience and everybody says, yeah, I know exactly how to be a co-op teacher until you become a co-op teacher. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I think it's, um, what I really appreciate again is the intentional approach by which the series and the work that you guys have been doing and trying to help us understand to do a better job of preparing co-op teachers. I think one of the, the questions that I have is again, as a person in the past trying to manage a teacher preparation program is what's the best way to select cooperating teachers? How do we identify? Because I mean, we use a few standards now, you know, years of experience and kind of other kind of things that we're looking at, but we all know teachers that would be a tremendous co-op teacher and we're great after one year of teaching. And we know other ones that should never be a co-op teacher, even after a thousand years of teaching. And again, it doesn't mean they were bad ag teachers. It just means they were not 
they would not be good cooperating teachers. So how do we how do we best identify <laughs> folks to, for that role? And, and adding on to that, not only identifying them, but how do you what's the artful science of matching those cooperating teachers with um, the student teachers and, and making that an effective piece? Match dot com for ag ed nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's the science piece or the art piece? <laughs> sure. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every time I was asked what I need to do to get on that yeah. co-op teacher yep. list, because mm -hmm. ag teachers want to contribute yeah. to the profession. And I don't think there's a, a magical kind of, you know, formulation for it. But I do feel like you've got to seek out teachers that are, are a part of the total program. And we think about like some of those best practices in those categories. Like we want our student teachers to experience FFA. We want them to be a part of SAEs. We want them to have a classroom environment that they can learn in. So we, as um, practitioners, we have to understand what those programs are like. We have to know our teachers. Um, so I think the more engaged that ag teachers are with their teacher prep programs, I think it makes it easier for us to say, you know what, like I can see a student learning in that classroom. I can see them um, gaining some awesome experience. Um, and I think the comment you made about matching and match.com, so <laughs> true. Most of the time we do a good job, I think, and we get it right. But there's sometimes we're like, wow, we didn't see that one coming. That was that was tough. Um, so I think knowing our students, too, and knowing the personalities of our co-op teachers and, and understanding what kind of communication skills they have, um, because most of them do have a passion for it. But I think understanding the program and if if they can communicate with that student teacher. And I know Heather's had some experiences with some of the interviews because we've had some paired matches kind of um, giving us some feedback. Um, most of the time we get it right, but I think we have to do the work and teacher prep programs to know those teachers and know those programs for sure. Well, I know the number one thing not to do if you want to be a cooperating teacher. Don't go up to Dr. Barry and say, hey, I'm really busy. I need a student teacher because I got two <laughs> national teams I'm training. Yeah. I got these yeah. applications and, and I could really use the help. Yeah, it's true. I, it, it, if, you are doing it right, if you are doing it right, it is, it is work. Yeah. It is intentional work. And um, there's a lot of reward, don't get me wrong. And I think it's amazing to have that experience, but you also have to be willing to put in that the, that mentorship. And that's not easy because it takes thought and it makes you have to slow down for sure. I will say Dr. Barry is much more diplomatic in your response <laughs> to that question than maybe uh, the chair of the department might be into that particular mm. response. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not going to deny that. <laughs> Moving on, though, I think one of the other things that, particularly for cooperating teachers, that we need to think about, and maybe it's framing their role and and the place that they have, but it's really setting the stage that those cooperating teachers are an extension of the teacher ed program. They're an extension, or they're quasi faculty of the university in that teacher ed program. And so what does that mean for mentorship? What that what does that mean for the role that they play in building those relationships and helping to understand that why and in the context that, uh, that they play? So I think that's actually like the next big step that we need to take in terms of completing the triadic approach of bringing in the university supervisor, you know, not, not, 
to solely go in and, and grade the student teacher and how they're teaching, but to be models of mentors for the cooperating teachers so that they're learning side by side with university faculty. So, no, wait a minute. Now she's doing this again. Not only did she start asking the questions, now she's starting to say that we need to start training our university supervisors too because you're trying to tell me that university supervisors just don't have all the answers already well but that was when they asked the question like what else do you want to think about that was one of the things that came to mind because i think about like both as a cooperating teacher and as a university supervisor like what do i let them kind of figure out and what do i really need to like actually say like the, mm -hmm. the am i doing this right but something i think that really struck me in your abstract as we think about you know cts wanting to help and even the discrepancy between like what do cts see themselves helping with and what do student teachers see themselves actually getting from their mentee like i think mm -hmm. that discrepancy is really telling in terms of just what do we what are we attempting to let them figure out when they're saying i really need you to actually like say it like please mm -hmm. <laughs> um yes I mean, and if you'd be willing to kind of chat through, what were some of those big discrepancies just for those listening as far as what do we really need to be thinking about with what am I going to let them just figure out and what do I need to really be intentional about in my practice as a cooperating teacher? I think some of the bigger discrepancies that we saw in, was in terms of programming. So talking about FFA and talking about SAEs, um, specifically, you know, the cooperating teachers were saying, you know, almost 100% frequency. I was doing it all the time. I was I was showing my student teachers and the student teachers were saying, you know, differently. And I think that goes back to, they were seeing their cooperating teachers demonstrate how, they're, how they run their programs, but it's going back to slowing down and understanding why. There wasn't any conversation of how did you pick your officers or why do you have this contract? How did you come up with this contract? Um, how do you choose your CDE teams? It was, okay, show up to CDE practice. We're going to run through a practice kind of thing. Right. And I think part of the, some of those discrepancies had to do also with um, kind of maintaining longevity in your career. Because I think a lot of times when student teachers are coming in, cooperating teachers are focusing on them as like new teachers. But I think there's a lot of value in cooperating teachers explaining where they're at in their career and how they are there and how they maintain and how they balance so some of that's the work-life balance, but like, how do you make it through all stages of, of a teaching career and um, be successful? That's a great point, because how often do I hear a cooperating teacher say, like, I just got to get them ready for next year. Like, I just got to get them ready for year one. But we, I, th I think sometimes in our urgency to get them to and through year one, we forget about, like, year one might be a little rough, but there, there, is, there is beyond year one. Right. We hope. <laughs> yep. Well, and the one thing that I appreciate about, about this study and that Heather was just talking about is the, the whole idea of demonstrating that the cooperating teacher does. but it And it's nuanced, but it has to be more than that. And how do you shift from demonstration to role modeling? And what's what are those nuances and what are those differences between just demonstrating good practice versus role, being a role model where you're showing good practice, but you're also explaining that why and, and all of the other context that goes with that. Well, I just find it fascinating in your study that you found out that co-op teachers almost 100% said, yep, I'm doing this. I am showing my student teachers how to do this. 
and the student teachers were the same one. These are the same person. The student teacher says, "No, I'm not. I'm not seeing this thing happen." Mm-hmm. So, so that tells us: does communication or does a demonstration really happen if if the receiver doesn't get the information? And I would say the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And so right. that tells us again: co-op teachers are doing what they think is right, but we just have to again going back to your words: slow down, mm-hmm. be explicit, talk about the why. So that the receiver, in this case, the student teacher can actually understand what's happening because they don't even know what they're looking at. We go back to that old saying is they don't know what they don't know. They're like, mm-hmm. you're demonstrating it, but I have no idea what you're doing. So there's no way I can make any sense of, of what's <laughs> going on here. And so you have yep. to explain this stuff, which is I think is so critical is a key finding here. And I think what's going to be cool uh, looking towards the future is we have now started interviewing the cooperating teachers and the student teachers and really trying to paint a picture of what is occurring in the classroom. And hopefully with that information, we can go back and look at our programming for the uh, preparation and support so that we are you know, showing them and teaching them ahead of time before the internship starts. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Really do appreciate your uh, willingness, Deb and Heather, to Uh, chat with us about this and really appreciate the work you all are doing for folks across the country uh, in preparing cooperating teachers and the resources that you have created along with this study that are out there encourage folks to find those resources Um, and um, I will say if we remember we will put a link to those sort of things in the podcast show notes but I know you guys are willing to share that but I'm the one that has to remember to do that and my memory is not always the greatest so yeah The Google machine is handy to go through and find those things. So, Heather, tell them one more time, where, where can they find those resources? So, one is U.S. Cooperating Teachers Support.com with two S's between teachers and support. And the other is if you go to UF um, EDIS and just search Cooperating Teachers, there's a four document series. Excellent. So check those things out along with this podcast, all the other resources, um, and you guys continue to do great works and really do appreciate you sharing this with us and all of our listeners here on Owl Pellets. Thank you for having us. All right. Hope you all will interact with those resources and interact on our social media. Let us know what's going on and answer Heather's tough question. What's next? What next do we need to be looking at for cooperating teachers in the student teaching relationship? Uh, so really do appreciate it. I look forward to seeing your comments on social media. So thank you all very much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.